Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Did we just become best friends? Yup! Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup! Big time friendship. I like you. Do you like me? I do like you. You are my friend. You're a nice young man, and I am your friend. Shut up, friends. We're friends now. I don't need you anymore. You are my friend. Friend requests. The friend request. Why ain't this my friend request? But you're my friend. Cool. All right, let's kick it off. So is it okay to recline, or should I be sitting upright? Yes. No, you you get as comfortable as you want. I've had some guests. That aren't used to f- sitting on the floor. And like, yeah. I'm like, what? Well, you guys got to practice sitting on the floor more. Exactly, get into it. <laughs> it's good for you. Um, welcome to the Friend Request. Thank you. I'm your host, Chloe Madron, and today I'm joined by singer, songwriter, music, and extraordinaire actor, podcaster, Ben Lee. Thank you very much. Entertainer. <laughs> Entertainer. Showbiz, baby. Oh my God. It's good to be an all rounder. Well, I don't think you have any choice these days. That's so true. I was saying, I think the music industry is kind of going through like what it went through in the 80s when MTV came in. Yeah. And suddenly, like, ugly musicians weren't allowed anymore. <laughs> like, everyone had to be these, like, big, really you know, hot. long hair, really hot. <laughs> now it's going through the same thing with personality. Yes. Where, like, you could be a musician without a personality 10 years ago, yeah. but now you can't. Because of social media. Yeah. Because you got it. All. That's how you're, yeah, selling it. So, yeah. Oh, my God. It is, it, it feels like that. Everyone's kind of got to be able to do everything. I remember I watched um, Barbie for the second time I'm still hoping to see it three times in cinemas but the second time was with my sister and she was like you know Ryan Gosling sings in this yeah he, it's crazy and I was like yeah babe you don't get to be a massive movie star without being able to do everything did you ever hear his band Dead Man's Bones no Halloween themed oh really they were all horror themed <laughs> everything Dead that's Man's so Bones. cool yeah. <laughs> um, for the listeners if you're not watching I have uh, spruced the place up a little bit with a, with a few Halloween decorations because it's the it's tis the season it's my favorite season is it yeah are you a fan i am i mean i'm a parent so to me it's this historically 
Halloween is this process of my kids buying multiple costumes, committing to them way in advance mm-hmm. and then changing their minds at the last minute <laughs> and it all being really stressful. So that's kind of how I associate it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Okay, that's not the greatest connotation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's become more of a thing. When I was a kid in Australia, it was mm, nothing. I know. I just saw, I remember seeing E.T. and going, oh my God, imagine living in America with all that. But now it's like full on here, right? It is, yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely better because I grew up in Brisbane and yeah. it's way better in Sydney yeah. than it still is in Brisbane. Um, but yeah, I had the same thing. I've, I've never been to the States. I'm so excited. I'm planning a trip for next year and oh, I, cool. I, I'm probably going to have to make it happen when I'm, when it's Halloween because yeah. <laughs> I love it. My, um, my mum and I, th- I, I figured out, I'm pretty sure that I've just clung to this and it wasn't that big of a piece of information in my childhood, but I was under the impression that my mum thought she was a witch mm. and told us we were witches so I was very confused as a child. Okay. I really thought that magic was real and that I had it. Um, so I've gone with the witch theme today. Oh, cool. And did you ever get <laughs> clarification on that? Um, yeah, I think she was just like leaving, uh, you know, more formal, uh, organized religion and still spiritual and just wanted to base Oh, so she was like Wiccan. She was yeah, kind of like exactly. Wiccan. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's a pagan. Yeah. She basically had some crystals around the house. It, yeah, it was basically, it was the 90s and she was yeah. a white woman. She bathed them in the full moon, <laughs> yeah. soak up that energy. Exactly. Great burn little sage or whatever, I get it, yeah. Yeah, but in my head, I was too young and I was just like watching Charmed. I'm like, so I'm going to be able to move things with my oh, mind. What a letdown. I know. Oh, no, Everything yeah. ever since has been so disappointing. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Life life is pretty magical, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How was your childhood? My childhood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, mixed. Mixed. <laughs> mixed. I'd okay. Say. Um, I, is anyone's childhood not mixed? Yeah, um, right. It's uh, it, it's interesting because my daughter's fourteen now. My mm-hmm. stepdaughter's just about to be twenty two. So I've relived many of my feelings. Uh, as I've watched them and yeah. parented them through yeah. things. And yeah, it's it's very hard. Being a kid is hard. Mm-hmm. And being a teenager is really hard. It's awful. You know? So I don't know. I guess I, I look at it as this, it's like just this rite of passage we all have to pass through. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, you know, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to be grateful for. Like I, I think about how, for instance, my mum She's someone who I watched reinvent herself multiple times in yep. her life. Like even in when she had me, she was early 30s and she'd gone back. She'd gone to uni for the first time yeah, okay. while she was pregnant with yeah. me. So I was literally born into a process of reinvention <laughs> yeah. by my mother. And I think in, I've watched her do that now several times in her life. She's still She's now mid 80s and has just reinvented herself over and over. And in some ways I think she like, taught me that lesson it's Mm -hmm. like in my dna yeah um and there's a real survival in that so there's a lot of things like that that like i'm really grateful for but then there's just a lot of hard lessons growing up you know just about what it means to be human of course yeah Yeah. but i think that seeing someone being able to i I really relate to that seeing someone being able to grow through those things is so inspiring because i mean what's the alternative just giving up and then that's your example or the primary one totally i don't think you realize like when you're parenting 
you often put so much stock on what you tell what you tell your kids, like certain things, like what are the lessons you try to implant or the yeah. moral things, and you don't realize they're watching you the whole time. <laughs> and honestly, what you're doing with your life, <laughs> they're learning them. so much by just <laughs> observing you. Yeah, and I think that's often more. They're learning more from observing yeah. you, particularly in the areas that you're hypocritical, where you're saying one thing and doing another. You know? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine it's quite a trip to have children of your own and, and just reflect back onto your own childhood and have so much more empathy for your own parents. You yeah. Know? Uh, what, uh, you know, this is a friendship podcast. Mm-hmm. How did you so, wait, it? I heard you... So Becky was telling me about it. She was yeah. explaining me that because I didn't know the premise exactly. So she was saying you didn't have an easy time making, what was it, male friends? Or what was the... Pre- the so Not even... Or just friends? Not it's even like, the making of the friends. Yeah. I've just, I've always had a weirdness <laughs> around friendship. Like as a kid, I think it's because I'm bi and that was freaky around girls you know i didn't want any girl to think that i was being a creep oh so it was hard um, to ju- you felt like you were never able to then just look for friends because there was always the potential of romantic yeah sort of, yeah, yeah to yeah. a degree because uh, you know also when you are a kid and a teenager you're all horned up and you're yeah, like yeah, yeah. Ah. so i was very boy crazy and girl crazy um and i just i think it was partially that but even even before teen years like i just had some shitty friends okay yeah I never struggled making them, but keeping them, you know, um, to be almost 30 and be like, oh, I've got a couple of friends from my childhood. Mm. Like one that's a good friend, another that's we talk sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just also I was wanting to start a podcast with a couple of friends and then they kept flaking. And I was like, right. fuck this. This is a great premise. <laughs> so you were just kind of like, stuff. it's like almost like friendship dates then. It's like you're setting yeah. things up and like you're exploring. Like, <laughs> yeah. could we be friends? Yeah, <laughs> Pretty maybe. Yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. And talking to the guests about what it was like for them making friends. Yeah. Um, and the different kind of ways their life have navigated like friendships around that. You mm, know, for you, mm. I think that I've got a lot of questions for you around being a superstar with friendship because that's super different and not something that everyone's going to experience yeah i mean superstar you lose that term kind of use that loosely um but yeah i I do think in whatever way you have status Mm -hmm. and for some people that's celebrity and for other people that's being in a small town and being like good at sports or good looking or you know whatever it is like or someone who's rich or someone who's really charismatic or funny or like there's various assets that we each have that affect our social dynamic. Yeah. And you're always trying to figure out sort of how to use your powers for good, not evil. <laughs> yeah. And then also your own, the way you get glamoured by believing. Like I think in some ways people use the term like social climbing mm-hmm. sort of really negatively, but in a way aspirational friendships are how we create our life because we kind of go like I want to surround myself by people that I want to be like and that I admire and you know what I mean like you don't want to be like the most ambitious or funniest or smartest person in your friend group oh my god like that's a real dud situation (laughs) you know it's like you getting dragged down it's also just so egotistical you'd get so tired surely yeah 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 (laughs) so it's it's all very interesting I think how who we surround ourselves by mm-hmm. and what what are those moments where you realize you've outgrown a friend too mm-hmm. are really interesting. Yeah, totally. And I think um, how 
you deal with that? Have you got anything that comes to mind? Like when you've outgrown a friend, do you confront them? Do you just let it go? I've done both and it's interesting. That's one with parenting that I found myself like, now my attitude whenever it's with the kids is like, just gently pull away Mm -hmm. slowly don't make a drama (laughs) but especially teenage girls never want to hear that you know Mm -hmm. um I've done both there's been times like for instance like I remember going through a period uh I had one friend in my early 20s who died of a heroin overdose and I felt the need to separate myself immediately and sort of violently from that group of friends yeah, okay. that I felt had created an unsafe situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that had led to that. Yeah. I just felt like I'm not going to live a life where I have friends dying of heroin overdoses. Yeah. Like, look, it happens, yeah. but you can severely lower the odds of it happening by mm-hmm. being more selective about who you hang out with. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, then over the years, then there are people who sort of got their acts together that I reconnected with. Yeah, um, okay. So there's been situations like that. And then there's been, um, I think one of the things that creative people go through sometimes is um, having chaotic people around them. And I quite like (laughs) chaotic people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're fun. (laughs) Um, You know, I I quite like chaotic people and especially like, I've always loved chaotic women Mm -hmm. because they're like creative and interesting and, you know, (laughs) I don't know, it's probably like, I don't know, it's probably like my mom in some way or my sisters or, you know, but... I definitely like whenever these these women come out like in pop culture like Julia Fox or Caroline Calloway uh-huh. or whatever I find them very charming <laughs> like I always or Courtney Love you know I'm always mm-hmm. like always like yeah I'm fully on board I yeah. will read this interview I'll <laughs> listen to this podcast I'll, and I know I'm totally glamoured by like an archetype that, yeah. yeah but I've also been in situations in my life where I've just been like there's too much chaos here like, yes it's like it is I'm putting energy into the person, the, the the situations and the chaos this person's creating yep. when I should be putting it into myself. Yeah, okay. So, you know, it, there's so many of those kind of things. <laughs> totally. And in those situations, is it that it's getting too close? Like those friendships are too close with the chaos? It might be. It might just be like it gets too real. Yeah, Like okay. things are like fun from a distance. <laughs> yes. And then you kind of get into like it's real life. Yeah. I've also had people outgrow me. Yeah. And it's like... So sad. It so sucks <laughs> to be on the other end of it. It sucks so hard. You kind of don't want to force someone into a corner where they have to say it. No. So you kind of try and like take the L. Yeah. But it's like, it's really embarrassing. And you kind yeah. of have people I've like reached for and like keep reaching out to over the course of like a couple of years. I'm like, I'm. I need to read that book. He's just not that into you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but it, I don't know. It, it, it's hurt me in the past deeper than any like romantic or sexual rejection. Friendship rejection. I'm like, oh, we don't even need to be that close. You know, you have fewer boxes that yeah. need to be ticked for a friend. It's like, what am I doing wrong? But have you it's ever hard. in a professional circumstance had to fire anybody? <sighs> No. Because it's similar. And (laughs) one of the things about firing people is that in some ways it's not personal. Mm -hmm. Like, look, sometimes there's horrible things that happen in the workplace and it is personal. (laughs) But for the most part, it's like, for instance, I had a manager 
who it took me like five years to get the courage to fire him. Oh my him. God, that's so long. And it was almost like this codependent, <laughs> like almost like abusive thing where you're like wrapped in a cycle. Jesus. But what I realized was that I'm actually like preventing him from fulfilling his destiny. Yeah. By like, it's like being in a relationship that's like mm-hmm. not right and mm-hmm. you hold on to it, hold on to it. And I kind of now have a more philosophical approach to it, to like things ending. Mm-hmm. I actually have a new song I wrote um, about past relationships called Lovers. It's going to be on my next record. Mm-hmm. And one of the lines in it is, um, uh, uh, let me see if I remember. Um, <laughs> to, all, um, to all the lovers that you hate now um, and the ones that became friends, this is a song for all the lovers that taught you things end. And it's like a, a part of life, like yeah. learning that things end yeah. and they're out of your control. Yeah. And I try and now when I feel it's like with collaboration, these windows open, Mm -hmm. these like magical windows in people's lives where it's almost like a Venn diagram, like it crosses Mm -hmm. over (laughs) and you can do something together there. Yeah. And then it's like can like drift apart, like in a way that's like not in anyone's control. And it's almost like the most dignified part is just coming into acceptance of that yeah, and yeah, letting yeah. people go at the time when it's not even them. It's like the cosmos pulling yeah. you apart. Man, I mean, that is a deep and powerful philosophy that could be applied to any kind yeah. of ending, right? But it's hard because sometimes that. you have to fight for things, but mm. you, you can't control them, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's <laughs> been a really like big lesson for me yeah yeah, yeah. And i think a lot of people struggle to grasp with that like it's the classic people people think that when a romantic relationship ends it's a failure and it's like no, but what are you talking about you both got to learn so much yeah and now you get to go and be on your own and doing something else yeah and then it's, it's just awesome. one of those things where like there comes a point where if you notice a pattern mm-hmm. and it's like the fourth time the same type of thing has happened and then you go like <laughs> Okay, maybe the pattern's like me. Yes. Um, but for the most part, especially when you're young, you know, you got to honor the ebb and flow of human mm. interaction mm-hmm. because it's, it's what allows for the magic to occur is the fact <laughs> that you can't force it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's powerful. I really like that. Mm. I think a lot of the um, requesties that listen to this show, uh, a lot of them are younger and struggling you know it's a friendship podcast so they want to learn stuff and i think that's a perfect lesson i remember ben fold saying something to me once that like i was hanging out with him he was already in his i think early 40s i was Mm -hmm. in my early 20s when the strokes first album came out okay and i was like what do you think about he was like Every song is about my friends. He's like, when you become an adult, you have a family. He's like, I don't have any friends. I've just got my family, you know. And it is interesting how there are certain times of your life where friendship becomes more and less of a priority. Yeah, And I think for me, like now my kids are older, Mm -hmm. friendship is becoming again more central to my life. Because of theirs. Well, because when they're little, you're like looking after them. So like you don't have as much room. But now it's like they're becoming like young adults. It's like, oh, we need time with our friends yeah. more. You know what I mean? So it just sort of shifts. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I mean, yeah, look, my dad's my best friend. My dad, my boyfriend, or my cat. I They all kind of go between that best friend. It's good good trifecta. <laughs> it's the best, but they're all family, you know? Ah, oh, that's cool. Um, okay. So I have actually... <laughs> 
<laughs> heard on your old podcast the other day, you were talking about having a punchable face. <laughs> and I want to know if that's <laughs> what, where's that come from? I guess what I mean, <laughs> what I meant by that was I've always been someone that provokes strong reactions in people. Yeah, okay. And I don't really mean it's my face. Like it is kind <laughs> okay. of, but it's also just like what I say and what I represent. Like I'm someone who's um, both a non-conformist, mm-hmm. but also a performer and needy for attention and validation. <laughs> and like, you know, it's a volatile cocktail for some people. Yeah. And um, the fact that I've always been willing to make mistakes, like I'm not a polished person. Mm-hmm. I've become more polished as I've gotten older, but I've never believed in waiting until you figure things out to do things. Yeah. Like that's why I started at 14 yeah. and why like, you know, why I like social media. Cause it's like, you just do a lot of it and whatever. Some of yeah. it works, some doesn't. Yeah. So my whole attitude <laughs> has always been very like casual and like lo-fi in that way. Yeah. But as a result, it's very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who are more controlled or more guarded, they find people that are more vulnerable sort of threatening. Yeah. Okay. I think. Okay. Um, don't you think? Yeah. I, I sort of thing. Yeah. I think it's like that, like the vulnerable person is like, they're an easy target. Yeah, totally. So I think in some ways that that's what I meant. <laughs> Were you like that as a kid? Yeah. 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 That's... Like I always just spoke up and just went for it with whatever I was doing. Yeah. And sometimes I'd fall flat on my face. Of and, course. And that was, I was sort of okay with it. Like, mm-hmm. it's funny. I, I think about, like my career has been three decades long. Like yeah. 30 years. God damn. And like, I'm still like. Like, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of where I want to be. And yeah. I think where, um, I don't know. Like, there's a lot I'm still just learning. That's like, a lot. And I think it's taken me, like, sometimes when people are like, wow, I can't believe you started young. I was like, yeah, because I'm, like, sort of, like, a slow learner who has to learn everything by experience. <laughs> like, I'm not good at assimilating information from other people's experiences. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I just had to do it all myself. That's great. Make and, your own mistakes. Yeah, and, and then you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, the things I know, I know from experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that would rub people the wrong way, especially when you're younger, being vulnerable because of the, you know, toxicity that so many people grow up with of don't try, yeah, don't explore things. You know, it's clumsy. Because yeah. you're like, if you're going to try a lot, at best, you're going to have a batting average of 50%. At best. <laughs> yeah. And what that means as an artist or as a performer is like taking a stand for the wrong thing at least half the time. <laughs> the wrong feeling, the wrong expression of that feeling, the wrong, uh, just it's all like kind of wrong, you know? And that's okay. Yeah. Because you find out what's right for you yeah. slowly, you know? God, I do feel that um, deeply with an artistic expression. Like I I did music for my entire life um, and started doing comedy five years ago and was still kind of dabbling with music. I still released some things and whatever, but I'm like better at it because I've been doing it for longer. But I just... It's like, I just don't think this is working for me. I don't think this is the kind of expression that I gel with or that people gel with. And well, then you get into comedy where literally you have to fail your way to having a good set. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like no other job 
where the <laughs> public failure is so baked into getting the thing right. Yeah, like most <laughs> other jobs you practice in private. It's crazy. You can't practice in private <laughs> as a comedian. It's like, it's an incredibly vulnerable art form. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and for some reason I was like, yeah, that's better. That's what yeah. I'm more comfortable with instead of this thing that I actually trained to be good at. Oh, my God. It's an interesting um, need, I think, because mm-hmm. it's across the board for artists, uh, performing artists, yeah. I'd say more so, but that that just deep desire for attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I don't know. You, you feel free to tell me if you don't want to talk about this, but I ha- had heard you speaking about it, joining cults. I think we spoke about it when I interviewed you for my bloody job a mm. while back. I want to know a little bit about Joining a cult. Yeah. Making friends with people in a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I think one of the things to give that whole journey sort of context is I didn't go to university Mm -hmm. and I started my career at 14. Mm -hmm. So the place where I experimented really was like in my spiritual life, you know. That for me was I was going to be like, it's like where I asked fundamental questions about who I am, what meaning was to me Mm -hmm. what I wanted out of life like that was sort of just this space that I went really into um and I'm sort of glad that I took that space for myself yeah that wasn't about being a performer yeah because I think you know history is really littered with performers that never found places to take space Mm -hmm. to find out who they are Mm -hmm. and again it, it involved lots of mistakes and one of the big things I learned was that I was wanting to find somebody who would tell me how to do life. Yeah, okay. I really wanted that. Yeah. And I think we all have that to a degree. I mm-hmm. think we all love getting a new self-help book where you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm going to implement this. <laughs> I'm going to write morning yeah. pages or I'm going to only talk <laughs> in nonviolent communication or I'm going to, you know, like – there's like so many of these things, and I'm, they're like, I'm currently flattening my glucose curve. There you go, <laughs> or they, or you're on Instagram and you, you see Esther Perel doing so. I don't know. It's like yeah. everyone's like, like self help is it's a huge industry mm-hmm. because people are so hungry to give up their autonomy for a more proven method yeah. than just what their <laughs> instincts are. You know. Yeah. Um. So I really thoroughly explored that in a few different situations where like. It was kind of like one thing leading to another where mm-hmm. you're like, you're looking for like the perfect system for living mm-hmm. and then you sort of f- do one for a bit. I mean, it's like a health kick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you go like, oh my God, actually I'm not working on my core. And they're like, oh my God, but I'm <laughs> not, ki- I'm not cutting out gluten. <laughs> and you know, it just goes, you go in deeper and deeper. Yeah. So it's basically that kind of thing. It's just my taste is a little more... Uh, existential Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's cool um was it actually to a degree of like living this is just you know completely stereotyped in my head living on a commune and with beautiful people no i never i never lived on a commune um all the 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 few different things i explored like one was a hindu guru that i would travel to okay and there was like an ashram there but you just visited yeah um one was a earlier than that was a Chinese Taoist sort of a martial art like Qigong teacher. Yeah. But that was in New York City and I would go to lessons yeah, okay. and everything. And then the last one was like a Peruvian uh like Gnostic ayahuasca cult that we oh, would do retreats okay. and stuff. But or they were all meanwhile I always had like a home life. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um and 
you clearly were getting a lot out of that. I, I, you say all three of those I'm immediately interested in going. <laughs> it sounds amazing. I'd love to do an ayahuasca retreat. <laughs> um, was there any kind of sinister intentions? Like, you know, people talk about these things like, oh, someone's running it just so that they want to make money. Was there any of that? See, I think of, I think of things like sex and money. Like, sure, there's... We're human beings. Yeah. So anytime you find an institution, there'll be someone taking financial and sexual advantage of whatever power they have in that dynamic, right? Yeah. But I actually think there's a deeper form of abuse that happens in churches, cults, and that's more to do with um, someone placing themselves between an individual and their own internal sense of guidance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so I look at like this thing we call God or enlightenment or whatever it is as like an experience that everyone is entitled to Mm -hmm. in whatever form you think of it as we're all entitled to it. We can all access it anytime. It's there. It's part of who we are and we're all equally connected to it. Yeah. Whatever you, however you view it, you know, love, whatever interconnectedness, (laughs) what gurus do is they craft a situation where you might be more likely to generate an experience like that. Yep, okay. And then they take credit for it. Yep. <laughs> so I think that is actually almost like the most sinister thing you yeah. can do. Because like abuses like financial and sexual abuse are awful, but they're also like once you see them – you know they happened. Yeah. These other forms of like abuse are like almost like psychic vampirism. Yeah. That you feel crazy for thinking they're happening. You know what I mean? Like totally. It's like way more complicated. Oh my God. And I think the need of the person who's doing that form of abuse is much more complicated. Yeah. I think it's, it's getting off in a way that we don't even yet have words for. Jesus. And I think there's, but you can look at the history of humanity and clearly this need for specific type of power (laughs) of needing to be the God to someone else, Mm -hmm. that is like baked into our pathology as a species. We've done that to each other over and over and (laughs) over. Now, the people have forming language for it and narcissistic Mm -hmm. personalities and all that but (laughs) i don't know some of that resonates with me some of it doesn't i think there is a power source that comes from being looked at with devotion yeah that is a power source that it's almost like and i think this with like people like harvey weinstein and stuff too it's like it's the sex, but it's not just, it's the power. It's the power, yeah. It's the power. Yeah. And I think the way that people thrive in those dynamics is by leeching power and devotion and love mm-hmm. from people, mm-hmm. you know? <sighs> yeah. How do you, how, can I ask you, you would have had a glimpse of that. You've got a huge fan base and have had a career for 30 years. <laughs> How do you find that balance to go, oh, I can see how these people are looking at me with complete devotion. How do you step away from that and not be seduced by it? Well, part of it is just the transparency of talking about it. Yeah, okay. So, like, for instance, because I know I've been on the other end of these dynamics, Mm. 
if I can talk about that and be open about it, I do think in some ways I leave myself less vulnerable to being a perpetrator of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe like, maybe that's how you get that like wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Where like, oh, if you say (laughs) it, you can actually then do it because no one's on to you. Yeah. But I, I think it's more just that like, I know that the seed of those people is in me mm-hmm. because every anyone who's ever wanted fame wants that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can only look at those people. And that's why, like, I've never been big on, like, naming these gurus. Like, it's not a secret. Like, yeah. if you ask me, I'll tell you. But I kind of <laughs> don't want to send people on Google searches onto things that they're going to, like, they could end up into it. You yeah, know what I mean? that's so true. <laughs> so I, I kind of, I think of it more in terms of, like, Look, these people are fucked up. Yeah. But it's in me too. It's in you. Yeah. It's in each of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to be aware as a species that we can abuse each other in this mm-hmm. way. And um I don't know, and just be on to ourselves. So yeah. so I don't know. So I, I've seen I think I've definitely I know I have. I know I've had like acolytes um that I've been like subtly and subconsciously manipulative of. Yeah, okay. I know that there's people I've like withheld approval from Mm -hmm. because I know that them looking at me as someone that would give approval is like puts me in a position of power. Like, you know, I'm a human. Like I've been in all kinds of dysfunctional relationships. Totally, and it happens in everyone's life. Like, (laughs) And you don't get to choose it. You play it out unconsciously. Yes. Um, So I don't know. I just know it's... I know it's real when I go, it is what it is. I'm yeah. going to try not to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shit. Man, you can really understand where the uh, whole mythology of a devil <laughs> comes from, right? Or this yeah. like Satan. It's like, yeah, there's this terrible stuff that's in all of us. And it's easier to <laughs> personify it as a devil yeah. than, yeah, to, than, than to, to own it as something that's in each of us. Yeah, far out. Oh, very well articulated. <laughs> um Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, okay, so when you were really heavily into any of these three different hmm. cults, is, I think it's probably oversimplifying it. Well, it was a whole chapter. It was, it was a whole, a whole exploration, you know. How did your close friends feel about this? Um, I think I'm quite a convincing uh, salesman for whatever mm-hmm. I'm into. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean? Like totally. <laughs> like I'm I am naturally charismatic, mm-hmm. and I'm sort of a person of influence. Yeah. So I think 
I always managed for the most part that even if people sort of didn't agree with me, they were like, he's enjoying it. He's, he's in fun. a truth for himself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think in that way I prevented um, people being concerned. That's good. In certain ways. And but even they would get behind me. Like my family yes. would be like, so good you're into this thing. Yeah. And, you know, and I was never into – because I was never into anything that was like, like – I don't know, like, I don't know. With Scientology, say, like, you hear about how they're bullying and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and you go, like, this is, like, dark behaviour, mm-hmm. you know, but I was never into anything like that. So Yeah, and what you were doing, they weren't, like, actively trying to yeah. get you away from But honestly, honestly, it wasn't until the last one where, because by that I was, like, parenting and mm, I was, like, into some pretty esoteric weird stuff Yeah, and then you realise you're, like, imparting it to your kids and that's yeah. where me and Ioni my wife we had a lot of like intense conversations yeah because she was like this isn't good you know yeah um so so yeah I mean I think uh she I'm really grateful that she stood by me it was hard mm-hmm. for her I remember she tells a story of she went to see a therapist and the therapist was like okay well let's go to the basics is he fulfilling his parenting responsibilities? And she was like, yeah. Yeah. Like, is he showing up to work? She was like, yeah. Yep. And the therapist was like, be patient. Oh, wow. Like it's a human. Yeah. And most of the weird shit we get into, we leave behind at some point. <laughs> yeah. And if you love someone and you can tolerate it, be patient. That's some really good advice. But if they're like fucking up on a practical level yes. where they're – doing unsafe things and making the family unsafe. Like, I mean, both me and Ioni are kind of like old fashioned in that way that we sort of see marriage as something that you like are going to go through problems in. Yeah. You know, which is like sort of like, I don't know, neither of us had the feeling that like it has to be perfect the whole time. Yeah. It's more like it's a long game. Yeah. You know, and like we want to win in the end. That's (laughs) And we have great, we have a great marriage, but I don't know. I don't think we ever wanted to break up over things that, we could see through. Yeah. 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 That's really nice. It's very inspiring. I am, um, I think I've uh, shocked myself in that I never really wanted like a romantic relationship. It wasn't just a part of goals or anything, but I'm so happily in love, love of my life, getting married, all of this. It's so nice. Um, And it is a really funny thing because I have none of that like emotional attachment to marriage. Right. Because, you know, child of several divorces. Yeah, that'll, that'll do it. <laughs> that'll do it. That'll do it. But I um, still so deeply am like, no, no, no. I just think that you can get through stuff. Yeah. Like if, you know. Look, if you both want to. Exactly. Like the, the yes. only recipe for a good marriage is two people wanting it to be a good marriage. <laughs> yeah. As soon as one person even is iffy on that, yeah. the whole thing's going to fall apart. Oh, fuck. But if you both want to <laughs> figure it out, you can figure it out. That's really you nice. Yeah. That's really good advice. I do because, oh, man, I listen to just, you know, every different kind of podcast under the sun. So I do hear a lot of the dump him, just any little yeah. thing, dump yeah. him. And I'm like, I, there is something to be said for just hanging on. I mean, there's like, <laughs> I've had like a few marriages around me. It's probably only been two that I've been like, you guys should get divorced. Oh, like, really? Like where it's so bad yeah. in, in, and so imbalanced yeah. in the sense that you have one partner putting in tons of effort yeah. and the other person just wantonly oh. like not. Yeah. And at that point, like I would never say it, but I would think <laughs> it. And when they tell me, I'd be like, good. <laughs> <laughs> I've had this come up a bit lately, actually. People saying if you should <laughs> tell your friends to break up. <laughs> I've, I've never done that, but no. I have... 
I have at the moment where they've said they're going to, I have been, I've said, look, I'm never going to tell you what I think you should do, <laughs> yeah. but I support you. Yeah. In this moment, you, yeah. <laughs> you leaving this person sounds like a good idea for you. Yeah. That's a very diplomatic yeah. way to deal with that. <laughs> you let them know without hitting it on the head too much. You know? <laughs> um, okay. So now this is our Halloween episode. And I wanted to, I, you know, I do know that you've got so much experience with spirituality. I wanted to know if you had any spooky stories that you'd feel like sharing. Um, yeah, I do have a few. Oh. Um, I guess I have two that come to mind. Uh, my sister used to have a house in Maroubra and I was, she's 18 years older than me. So mm-hmm. I, I was still a kid and I would go there and we were sitting at dinner one night. And the taps in the kitchen suddenly turned on full. Like it was like quiet. Oh and then suddenly it was like, Shh. and I was like, what's that? Oh my God. And my sister just looked at me. She goes, we'll tell you after. Because <gasps> the kids were there. And I was like, what? She was like, we'll talk about it after. And she gave me that look. And then when the kids went to bed, she was like, we got a ghost. <laughs> I was like, what? So and, annoyed. <laughs> and they apparently had these, like the toys would turn on in the night and they... And interestingly, this went on with all kinds of things, all kinds of disruptions. But then they did a full renovation that was like a remodel, like a teardown. Mm-hmm. And the ghost never came back after <gasps> okay. that. Um, and then the other one was um, once I was in my 20s, I was staying at the Chateau Marmont, which is like a yeah, famous Hollywood hotel that's like famously haunted. Mm-hmm. And I was lying in the bed there with my girlfriend at the time. And I saw in the middle of the night I sat up in the bed and I saw someone go really fast across like the entrance of the bedroom yeah and then I suddenly felt a hand tapping me and I woke up yeah and my girlfriend said to me there was just someone in the room. Oh my God, yuck. So I'd like dreamt something uh. and she'd seen or felt something. Fuck. That's pretty weird, right? It's so weird. But I had a friend, <laughs> I had so a friend tell me, a friend's mum said to me once, I said something about ghosts. She said, they're just echoes. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Isn't that cool? It's really cool. It's like um, I, I was big into, like, I still am, Futurama and stuff. I'm like, any of this sci-fi sort of shit feels like it can explain it in a way that makes me a lot less scared. I'm mm. like, you know, time is freaking an illusion yeah, and yeah. constantly happening. And why can't there just be things that glitch a little bit in front of us? Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I've had tons of experiences that are like, you just can't quite explain. Like, I remember I had a friend... I'm so sorry. sorry. I can't quite figure out. I'm almost comfortable. Oh, Oh, man. I'm trashing the place. Um, So um, I think it's also this thing is dangling on me a little bit. I'm so sorry. It's fine. This is all. This is life. Um, I, um, you know, I had this other, this isn't a ghost, but I was sitting talking to a friend and, you know, sometimes you're in like a real deep connection with someone and you just feel like, intuitive i guess the things you're saying are like right to each other you know so i was talking to my friend and she was talking about being creatively blocked Mm -hmm. and the way she was standing like she all i could say was like she looked like a harp (laughs) like she looked like a harp you know and like i just was going like her body looks like a harp And I just said something about a harp just because, like, I didn't know what there was going. And she went, what? And I was like, what? 
<laughs> and she said, my mom, her mom had bought a harp to learn it when she was a little kid mm-hmm. and put it in the middle of their living room and she'd never played it. And it became this symbol of blocked creativity. Oh, God. So it was like connected to the conversation. Yeah. So, yeah. so like all these experiences, it's like we can't really explain these things. They don't really like mean anything, yeah. but they do tend to give us a feeling that like there's some kind of connection we have. Totally. I don't know. So I just think it makes like me feel happy. I don't know. I used to be very strictly atheist yeah. when I was a teenager because, you know, fuck everything. Um, and... I'm just so not that anymore. Um, but I think you can vacillate in a day. Exactly. Like I feel like I have moments of a day where yeah. I'm deeply atheist <laughs> and I get myself through the task at hand yep. through intense self-will because I believe that's what's going to do it. Yeah. And atheism helps me profoundly. And then I have other moments when... I'm scared or something and I find yeah. myself like praying. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. And I'm like, what am I doing? Oh my I God. I've been manifesting up a storm and I'm yeah. like, it's just praying. <laughs> it's the same thing. So I just kind of think of it as like, it's almost like, um, I think there's like all this pressure on us to like join a party almost. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to like vacillate and not know. Yeah. And like, we're not, we don't need to explain, like, I don't need to whittle down my beliefs into like a catchphrase or a name <laughs> for it or something. Like, I don't know who I am. I'm a different person 50 times a day. I'd like, love to hear why this. don't we just like, <laughs> why don't I just let myself be that? Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. I couldn't agree more. I wish more people were okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did have a spooky story, but I'm just checking the time. I asked some listeners for spooky stories, okay. but this one, <laughs> they were kind of lackluster. <laughs> I thought I'd still have They're a... Spookish. Have a, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. It's just <laughs> the fact that this guy replied with, I always saw a ghost for years in my house. And I said, can you tell me more? He said, I don't want to upset him. I can't write the story. <laughs> I think he's making that up. That sounds like, well, then he like sent, a cheeky internet person. <laughs> then he sent a photo of one of the old plague doctors, right? And said, is that what the guys looked like? This is what it looked like. He said, I always saw it there and <laughs> it was on the phone with my friend. I was on the phone with my friend, sorry. And it was behind me. And then my sister and my mom saw it. And then I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Um, another one I saw just said played with a Ouija board and the spirit said leave now. Oh yeah, I've I've did some Ouija board stuff too. In oh, the 20s, you know, yeah. Man, it's scary. My um because when my mum was really in her phase, I tried to do a Ouija board at school yeah. at that time and I got in trouble because she didn't want me playing with bad spirits. <laughs> oh, you were like a Catholic school or something? <laughs> no. Oh. oh, your mum got mom you in got trouble. My mum got me in trouble and it wasn't because it was like weird or anything. She was like, no, I don't want you playing Just with bad spirits. Why you be discerning with the spirits you're interacting so with? It's so smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, someone else said that both their mum and grandfather died on Halloween and now they're completely paranoid that either them or someone they know will die every Halloween and... That's terrifying. Yeah, that's not, not really spooky though. That's just like sad. No, it's yeah, it's yeah. super sad. Yeah, yeah. And also it's like, um, you know, that thing of just the universe, the world around you creating your own fears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just our You're haunting brains. yourself there. Yeah. 
Uh, my favorite though was farted and scared a nine-week-old kitten I just adopted. Ah, that's yeah, a sweet think story. Think about that. Sad. <laughs> sad for the kitten. Bit bit disappointing with yeah. the spooky stories, yeah. oh, honestly. Yeah. But I do have some slumber party games for us okay. to play if you're up for it. Let's do it. Okay, so. I think I'm having a cat allergy. Do you have a oh cat? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> it's okay. Oh my God, I'll go, are you I'll okay? go fine. Yeah, I'll take it out of histamine later. I just feel like my scratch is in so my throat. I'm so sorry. Oh, good. It's okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Oh my God. <laughs> That's spooky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm being haunted by a cat. Okay, well, we can wrap yeah. up All right. super yeah, yeah, quickly. No you want to play the sleepover? Yeah, games? let's do it. Let's do okay. It. First one Would you rather? Okay. Would you rather never be able to cover someone else's song? Or never be able to buy new or used, but new to you, clothes. Wait, you can never buy clothes again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to cover anyone's songs that badly. I want clothes. It's <laughs> not as hard as I thought no, it could that's be. an easy one. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you said never again play music, yeah, that would be much harder. Or never write a song. Yeah, I think then I would choose the the music, clothes. The, the clothes. Yeah. I get rid of the clothes. I yeah. know you're a very fashionable guy. I like clothes, but I can also like. I'm not gonna. <laughs> there's a limit. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> okay. Um, would you rather be? This one also feels pretty obvious, but would you rather be a zombie or a ghost? A ghost, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because a ghost, you could be friendly. Yeah. A zombie, you kind of got one option. It's not good. Like, you got to, so like, scary. scare people. Yeah. It's so scary. Yeah. And I don't think that they're, you know, even if ghosts are trapped and they can't move on, zombies can't even express that. No. Yeah. Ooh. There's nothing fun about zombies. Okay. Yeah. Easy. Easy answer. All right. Next game, Fuck, Marry, Kill. Okay. Fuck, Marry, Kill. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Halloween. The movie with Michael Myers and Scream. <laughs> I mean, Rocky Horror Show is the only sexy one. The, I'd it? say Scream's pretty sexy. I've actually never seen it. <gasps> oh, yeah. my God. Well, because by the time Scream came out, I was like in my 20s and it just felt like, no. I don't know, like sort of a corny horror movie or something. Uh, like, it okay. is. It's a slasher, but it's, a, it's so good. <laughs> so I would say... I would kill Halloween because I think that's it would like it the most. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like the most like totally. violent in a way. Yep. <laughs> I would probably marry Scream yeah? because it just seems like a kind of like a mature. It's like a. It's like a. <laughs> it's just got like a more family entertainment side of it. It's like <laughs> what wholesome. Are you talking about Rocky Horror is so much more wholesome than Scream. But I think Rocky Horror Show is all about being a perv in yeah. a way, isn't it? It's like super kinky. <laughs> so cute about so, it though yeah i know it is oh look it's very wholesome in the scheme of things now it doesn't yeah. seem that perverse true but it's about living liberated yes. and you know so it's probably the best in bed yes yeah, no yeah, great yeah, point yeah, yeah. great point all i was thinking was like um the very attractive actors in screen oh you were thinking about the equality <laughs> i didn't think about that no 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 that's on yeah, me yeah. i was i was ruining it with my own perversions <laughs> i was like personifying the movies as a human i like it that's yeah, what you yeah. gotta go with these yeah, yeah. things <laughs> um another one another fuck mary kill a vampire a werewolf and a witch um, well, witches, I think, are sexy because yeah. I think they're like the witch is the sort of supernaturalized vision of 
chaotic women, which yep. is what I said. I already yep, like. You already into so it. like definitely <laughs> fuck them. But but um, but they could also be so handy for marrying. Oh, that's true. You mean just being able to cook a good brew? Yeah, and like snap your fingers and have I don't know. I know. Well, vampires. I guess. <laughs> I guess the werewolf. I, I just don't see them being that practical. That's true. So I get rid of them. I guess I marry the vampire, but you would be on. You'd have to be nocturnal. Yeah. So that would be a tough call. Or you could just see them for a few hours a day. That's true. Little overlap. <laughs> yeah. Little dusk. A cocktail. Very independent yeah. relationship. Like you know. <laughs> martini hour type thing. <laughs> really good answers. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> the last game is mm-hmm. truth or dare. Okay. So you get to choose okay. between truth or dare. I think I'll do truth. I can't imagine being on a film podcast what the dares are going to be. I might regret it. That's fair. That's <laughs> yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. People don't trust me in my dares. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was going to be good, but that's okay, also okay, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> the truth is, um, because you've got your wonderful podcast, Weirder mm-hmm. Together, mm-hmm. what's the weirdest live performance you've ever done? Um. The weirdest one I've ever done was when I, I filled in as bass player for this band called The Frogs, okay. who were, it was an interesting time in the history of alternative music and sort of leftist thinking where the part of, it's so hard to relate to now in this mm-hmm. time of like where everything's more politically correct. Mm. But the idea was that there was something in being transgressive and offensive that actually blew the sort of like the fear of things away or something. It took the power away from uh, things like violence and misogyny and racism by like being them. You know what I mean? So this band like specialized in that and they – they kind of knew I was a fan and they actually rang my doorbell. It was the week after 9-11 in New York. Oh, my God. And their bass player hadn't been able to get on the plane because he didn't have the right ID from yep. Milwaukee. Yeah. And they knew I liked them. So they were like, do you want to play bass? So we played at Knitting Factory, which was like six blocks from Ground Zero. Mm-hmm. And they played in angel wings. I, I, I wore these giant angel wings, like Victoria's Secret. Yeah. Kind of ones, and like this see-through kind of chiffon shirt and we opened with i feel the earth move under my feet this is like right after 9-11 and it was like it was just like (laughs) so odd um but it was yeah it was it was interesting yeah awesome yeah Great answer. Cool. <laughs> Thank you for coming and doing the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'll let you go so that you don't die of yeah, a cat go. allergy. Take a um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Right. Um, do you want to let the listeners know everything that's going on with you and where they can listen to you? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly. I don't have anything specific to plug, but I'm like always making things and yeah. doing things. So, um, I would say just go to my socials, Benley Music, and yeah. then. Me and my wife, I only have this company called Weirder Together where we put out podcasts and music and do events and we do all kinds of fun things there. 
Um, again, not plugging anything specifically, but just <laughs> dive in. If you like me, all. dive in. Yeah. There's, there's a plethora of activities and, <laughs> and uh, content you can enjoy. Beautiful. And then yeah. new music. Yeah, coming, coming soon. Coming soon. Yeah. Ah, it's so exciting. Um, wonderful, lovely requesties. Thank you for listening. You know where to find me. Go check out oh, Patreon. I should plug it. but Yeah, do it. It's exciting. Get into it. Um, we'll have more spooky stories. <laughs> it's going to be great. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs> I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. It caught on in a flash. They did the mash. 